We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast sponsored by DraftKings. It is Thursday, March 1st. Nick Whalen here with the venerable James Anderson. We're about two hours removed from a thrilling Wisconsin Badgers uh, opening round Big Ten tournament win over the Maryland Terrapins. Um, I haven't been in the office until just now, but I'm assuming you guys had that on the TV. What, what an environment that must have been. In the office? In the office. Yeah, there was... Uh, one Terrapins fan and a bunch of Badger fans that apparently didn't have much on their plate in terms of work. And uh, yeah, it just kind of turned into a, a viewing party. Of I, I ran into our mutual coworker, Chris Benzine, in the stairwell on my way up. And I know one, I noticed he got a haircut. He looked great. Two, huge smile on his face. I cannot imagine the level of gloating uh, that was going on. Probably a lot of ganging up because it would be like 25 on one in terms of Wisconsin fans to Maryland fan in the office. Yeah, I mean the the eight nine game in the Big Ten tournament always uh, always a <laughs> must see sporting event. <laughs> yeah, well, you got potential second round pick Ethan Happ on display. Uh, he's basically is he, the, is he a potential second round pick? Oh yeah, 
Oh, absolutely. He was a potential high second round pick, I think, coming into the year. He sunk back into maybe that 50 to 60 range. Um, yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys. If you're looking for a player who... Maybe the Warriors will buy that pick and he'll be the right. next, Jordan. Yeah, next Jordan Bell. <laughs> you're looking for a guy who has no range outside of about three feet, who can't shoot free throws. He's a throwback. He's a throwback. Exactly. It's like Alex and I were talking about Jalil Okafor on Tuesday, and we're like, if you're Okafor... Just put yourself on ice. You know, maybe the league in terms of, you know, you look at the trends of the league. Maybe in 10 years it'll be back to everybody wants big guys, and <laughs> that'll be Jaleel Okafor's time to reemerge. Um, but first, it's Chris Webber's birthday. Uh, how old do you think Chris Webber is? Uh, let's see. Looking I, for years. I know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say... I'm going to say he's 44. 45. You're always one off. I know. I can't, I can't hit it on the dot, but no. it's close. Next time. Uh, so his, one of his reference nicknames is The Truth. Mm-hmm. Did people actually call him that? I don't think so. I feel like I think there might just, have been someone else who was called I think it's The pretty Truth. Much, it's pretty much C-Web. I think Paul Pierce has that one cornered. <laughs> um, but this gives us a great excuse to look back at the 1993 draft, a draft that... I'm sure you remember fondly because I mean, that's, Penny Hardaway went number three. That's the coolest draft day trade ever, right? The C-Web for Penny trade? Yeah, I mean, I it's like so. it's like that one. There's like the Ray Allen stuff on Marbury one. The tractor trailer Dirk Nowitzki <laughs> one. <laughs> sure. Yeah, well, I mean, it's rare. We, I mean, we kind of had that with like Fulton Tatum, but it wasn't draft day. Do you? So there have been some sort of revisionist histories where, where certain people think the Magic would have been better off keeping Weber instead of the the penny and shack duo i mean i don't know i mean it's i guess you could say with the injuries to hardaway maybe i think their ceiling so like if hardaway never gets hurt that team's ceiling was just like an all-time great team because you had i mean penny before he ever got hurt was kind of ascending to you know he was going to be the best or second or third best player in the league mm-hmm. in a year or two. He, he's kind of like where Giannis is right now. And then his whole career just gets yeah. derailed by that injury. Whereas like C-Webs never gets derailed by an injury, but I don't think like peak C-Web was ever as good as peak Penny probably would have been. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. And I mean, so C-Web ends up in golden state plays one year there plays four years in Washington, then Sacramento. So like, it's, it's really hard to say, okay, this is exactly how things would have gone. Like, who knows? Maybe Shaq stays and if, it, if him and Weber get along really well. C-Web no never, idea. C-Web doesn't get into his prime until he gets to Sacramento, whereas, like, Rennie, right. like... I mean, was C-Web was his, pretty good right away, though. Like, his third year in the league, he put up 24, 7.5, and, and 5. And obviously his longer peak did happen in Sacramento, yeah. but it's I mean, not like he was bad for Super cool player, like, really, uh, you know, excellent passer, some kind of Blake Griffin similarities in that in that regard. Never yeah. quite the the rebounder that some of the best power forwards of all time have been, mm-hmm. but uh, one of those guys that definitely would have been a a stretch had that been in vogue at the time. I mean, he had a, a really pretty jumper, could could hit it uh, pretty regularly from fifteen sixteen feet. Yeah, I, I, he is an underrated passer. I think when you talk about like the all time true big men passers, he's in the top five pretty easily, probably. I think so. I mean, he's. I mean, I've heard people call Blake the best power forward passer ever. Recently, someone said that on a telecast recently, and I remember thinking that uh, seems crazy. I mean, is that not. even like I would put Kevin Love and LeBron ahead of him? And yeah, I feel like LeBron doesn't count in this because okay. like non primary ball handlers. Sure. I mean, do you think 
Kevin Love's a better passer than Blake Griffin? I think they're pretty comparable. I mean, Blake is obviously better, like, passing off the dribble. You don't really, like, Kevin Love's just not in a position where he's driving and kicking Mm -hmm. all that often. But in terms of, you know, we know about the full core outlet passes and half court stuff. I think I'd put Weber above both of them, though. Oh, I I absolutely would. So, uh, Sean Bradley went number two in that draft. Probably not the right pick. <laughs> I'm going to go out on the limb and say they probably should have took Penny or just about anyone else. Vin Baker was in that draft. Rodney Rogers. Allen Houston. Uh, things dropped off pretty quickly. Not a, not a very deep first round. Um, but the best player in that draft in terms of value, by far, Chris Weber. Penny, despite, I mean, how many good years did Penny have? Probably like Four. six. Yeah, I mean, things drop off considerably after year four. That's when he only, he only played his fifth season. He was an all-star, but he only played 19 games. Was it the fourth year? Did did Shaq leave after Penny's third year? Because I remember, like, there was a playoff series where it was the post-Shaq magic, and Penny Hardaway was still in his absolute prime, and he averaged, like, 40 points a mm-hmm. game in this first-round series. So, yeah, so Shaq came to the Magic in 92-93, one year before Penny. He played four seasons in Orlando and then started with the Lakers in 96-97. Penny's last true good year was 96-97. Okay. 20 points, four and a half rebounds, five and a half assists, one and a half steals, 45% from the floor. There was an article, I forget where I read it, last week someone published like the 20 best seasons and I think it was Kevin Pelton, actually, on ESPN, did the 20 best seasons ever by non-Hall of Famers. And Penny, I think, had two of them. Oh, uh, that, yeah. Which makes I mean, sense. That, that I mean, it, totally a lot of guys sense. are eliminated when you start taking right. on Hall of Famers. Well, you, so. it, you'd obviously start looking at the guys that would have been Hall of Famers had they stayed healthy. Exactly. Yeah, and, I mean, and that's yeah. what the list is. Right. And then there were a couple <laughs> couple Andre Kirilenko seasons sure. were in there. Um a guy who's much more would have been much more appreciated now, I think, with the the advanced numbers that we have. I mean, his counting stats were never all that great. Kirilenko was a perennial top ten pick in fantasy because yeah. of the he led the he, league in blocks. He had here. some block. He had some like two blocks and two steals a game seasons. That you know, if you you can do that, that's that's rarefied company right there. Um, speaking of rarefied company, James Harden, uh, we had, we had the MVP debate last week. I think he continues to kind of wrap this one up game by game and anthony davis i don't i just don't know if there's much he can do I, I said to alex yesterday or on tuesday that unless the pelicans like get the three seed in the west which is very unlikely but you know mathematically they're only like three games out unless they do that i just don't see a way in which davis can catch him um rockets easily took care of the clippers last night but i mean the only thing to really talk about from this game is <laughs> the level of disrespect uh, on the crossover you, you've obviously seen the highlight by now this happens a lot in the nba guys getting crossed up it happens a lot in college basketball really at every level i have never seen anyone take that amount of time to stare down someone uh who's fallen down like there, there was an extra like second and a half from the typical stare down that you see in that situation yeah, it was just off the charts, disrespectful. Uh, really, I'm, I'm trying to think of like what even forget about a crossover, but just any type of play. I mean, even like a guy, even <laughs> even a guy I'm watching the highlight. It's just so funny. Uh, even a guy like dunking on someone and like standing over him. I mean, is it would it be kind of like the uh, AI when he has that? you know, in the finals against the Lakers where he like steps over 
I forget who he puts on the ground. Tyron Lue. Yeah, Tyron Lue. He just completely steps over him. I mean, like, that's the only thing I'm really coming up with in terms of that level of disrespect. There's a good, you know, three to four seconds before he takes a shot. Obviously, you got to make the shot at that point, and he does. But it's mm. just, uh, it's really pretty great. And, I, I mean, I've, I'm sure Wesley Johnson's a great guy, but he's kind of the perfect guy for it to happen to because you just you know that yeah. there's no re- retaliation coming at all. Like Wesley mm-hmm. Johnson's just going to wear this one forever. Well, it could have been worse too because Wesley Johnson's not the guy that ended up ultimately contesting the shot. It was Tia Dosich who mm-hmm. left his guy like after kind of three seconds of yeah, he's just like come on, shoot the ball. He's, yeah, he's like, <laughs> if Tia Dosich doesn't run out at him, there might be another two <laughs> seconds of. Hey, Wes Johnson was making no effort to get up. I, I was a little surprised that there wasn't a shove from somebody. You know, I mean, that was... I feel like you you have to just... Someone on the Clippers has to be a good teammate and give Harden a hard foul like yeah, later I, in that game. And I like, wouldn't even think that's dirty. Like, no. When you, when you give someone that level... That is of, so disrespectful. <laughs> like, it's like saying something terrible about someone's mom, like, to their face. Like, it's just... You have to retaliate almost. Like, it's just a... Just lay the law down because this type of behavior cannot be tolerated but apparently it can and the best part of it i thought was harden afterwards when asked about it asked about why he was staring at him he said i was trying to figure out what he was doing (laughs) (laughs) what's he doing what's he doing down there oh man he uh he also told the 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 sideline reporter after the game I, i forget who it was that he's quote been in his bag all year uh, which is, I love that that's becoming a, just an accepted term. And I'm not sure the reporter knew exactly what he meant. Um, but, but I think the rest, the rest of the league uh, certainly did. Okay, real quick before we get into our revisiting our over-unders from the beginning of the season, we have a special offer still from DraftKings. If you are a listener of this podcast, all you need to do is go to DraftKings.com slash RotoWire-2018. That will get you a free six-month RotoWire subscription for new users on DraftKings, you create that account, make your first deposit as long as it's at least $10. Then you get that free six month all inclusive RotoWire membership. You also get a $3 ticket for a one day fantasy sports contest that'll be deposited right into your account. You can use that for a shot at winning big cash prizes. What kind of uh, baseball stuff do you have up on the site right now that, that might be behind a paywall that someone you know may want to subscribe to? Well, the top 400 prospect rankings uh, are always up on the site, and sure I did a, uh, a kind of a, a wholesale update to those on Sunday. It was just kind of sitting around the house, didn't have much going on, felt like I'd just go in there and yep. s- spend a few hours uh, updating those rankings, so those are, those are fresh for you. Uh, also have you know prospect articles coming out weekly we've got a lot of good regular season or redraft league content coming out so definitely definitely go subscribe to the site if you're not already doing so there you have it testimonials from an unbiased source <laughs> um okay let's look at our over-unders hopefully this isn't too premature you know we still have 20 odd games left for for most teams in the nba but i, I think it's actually a good time to at least see what we what we think you know about some of these a few of them are going to come down to the line obviously uh but there are several i think that we can look at um and kind of feel pretty good one way or the other about how it's going to turn out so we originally did these i believe on september 7th if uh google drive is correct so this was about a month before the season started 
Um, obviously, the Vegas Lions then, you know, for certain teams look kind of baffling based on what's happened with trades and injuries and whatnot. Uh, but we'll start with the Atlanta Hawks. We'll run through these fairly quickly. They won 43 games last season. Um, they lost Paul Millsap. Uh, expectations certainly changed. The over-under was 25 and a half wins for the Atlanta Hawks. As of right now, they are in second to last place in the East with 19 wins and 43 losses with 20 games to play. Um, you went out, you took the over on 25 and a half. I took the under. So I need them to go six and 14 the rest of the way. Um, wait, you need them to go seven. seven. I need seven and 13, seven and 13. The rest can of they the way. do it? Can they do? I don't know. I don't know if they can, because I, I mean, the numbers say no. <laughs> the numbers say they will not do that. <laughs> I have a, but I have when a, a third of the league is tanking, you're right. also playing, you know, one in three games, especially in the East one in, you know, maybe half of your games, the rest of the way are going to be against other teams that don't want to win. Um, but bad news for you, the Hawks next game is against a team that's not tanking the Warriors. Mm. Then they go Phoenix at 50, 50 <laughs> Toronto, Indiana, Chicago, OKC, Charlotte, Milwaukee, Utah. They, they play the Warriors twice. Ooh. Uh, they play the Rockets. They play Boston. They things, play. Things are lining up great for that under. They play the Heat two times. Yeah, I don't think they're hitting. They're hitting this under. <laughs> they're hit, they're going to hit that under with ease. I think. I, I think we can declare the Hawks under. I mean, a lot. they might not even have to go to full on tanking measures to to no. lose most of those games. They could even start their two best players, Kent Bazemore and Dennis Schroeder. As sad a, a sentence as that is to say. Yeah, I mean, there are <laughs> looking at the schedule. I would say there are three, four. Four winnable games for them. Those are the Suns, the Bulls, the Kings, and the Magic. Maybe they're able to like steal one from Boston or Philly in, in game 81 or 82 if one of those teams is clinched. Either way, it's going to be an uphill battle. Okay, so just I want to just make fun of them really quick. Yes, uh, the team that is closest in the league right now to being a 500 team is the Utah Jazz, 31 and 30. Is there any player on the Hawks who would start on the Jazz? I mean, I, I don't. I think Dennis Schroeder is probably at this point a little underrated. I don't. I don't know that that means he'd start on the Jazz. Right. Probably not. No. So that's a that's. Torian Prince would be a really nice like eighth man in yeah, Utah. Sure. Bet Bazemore probably too. Yeah. yeah Bazemore Decent. would give Jonas Derebko a run yeah. for some minutes. <laughs> that's that's what it's come to. <laughs> yeah, Hawks are not in a great spot. All right, uh, Boston. Boston. All right. Boston line was 56 and a half. You went over. I went under. They are 44 and 19 with 19 games to play. So I need them to go. See, I need them to win 13 of those. You need them to go 13 and six. That's very doable. I think that you'd probably put it around like 12 or 13 if you were just kind of estimating. So, yeah, that, that probably comes down to the final week. Yeah, that was a good line by, by the good guys job, in Vegas. Vegas. Yeah. Yeah, great job. Well, um, now, but this was also before the Gordon Hayward injury. That's true. So I, I probably cruise to this this over if Gordon Hayward doesn't. Yeah, get hurt. I, I don't know what the and the Marcus Smart that. injury that happened mid season. Right. Yep, that's true. <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> it's also before we knew Jason Tatum was good. A lot of things. Have changed. Yeah, I mean that line without I don't know what it was. You know, the night after the Hayward injury, or even if they re released it since the season had started, but it would have dropped to what fifty. I mean, like that's a th- 50, at least three yeah. or four games, yeah. probably more. Yeah, for sure. Okay, uh, well, that's all we'll say on the Celtics. Brooklyn Nets, 28 and a half. We both went under. This was one of my, like, nine locks. I went a little lock-heavy <laughs> this year with these picks. 
Yeah, I, they're hitting the under. I went a little stay away heavy. Brooklyn, uh, yeah, <laughs> they need to win nine of their final 20 games. I don't think that's don't happening. See that happening. Even though they're not going to be sitting anyone, that that's probably not happening. So I'll happily, we'll this, both happily take that under. This is the second year in a row where they've had a nice stretch, like in the early to middle parts of the year. You you start to get a little worried if you're holding that pick. You know, last year it was it was Boston. This year it's Cleveland, and Brooklyn has now won two games um, since January 21st. Mm-hmm. A lot of losses in there, mm-hmm. and I don't see them going roughly 500 the rest of the way. Their next three they're at, they're at sacramento tonight and then after that at the clippers at the warriors at the hornets those are probably all losses although the charlotte game could go either way yeah they don't they don't have an easy schedule really the rest of the way charlotte 42 and a half oh god i went over on this yikes what am i thinking you went under <laughs> I went over that one's already that one's already in the bag. Did you tamper with this? I don't no. remember. I don't remember ever thinking that, that they were going to be good. But Charlotte, yeah, Charlotte's not going to hit. Dude, they were a popular like bounce back team. Like t- people were talking themselves into like, oh, last year was just like a weird down year. Like blah blah blah. Like they're going to bounce back. They got Dwight. You probably talked yourself into it because of the Dwight. The Dwight. Oh, acquisition. I think I probably did actually. <laughs> now, now that you say that, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. So Charlotte, Wait, you're telling me they added Dwight? Okay. Yeah, Charlotte, Charlotte has 20 <laughs> games left, and they need to. They would need to win 15 of those games <laughs> to get to 43 wins. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready we to can, say that. That's we can, rule, we can rule that out. Yep. So that's uh, that's going to be a swing and a miss for me. <laughs> Chicago Bulls, 21 and a half was the line. You went over. I went under. They have 20 wins. Mm-hmm. Can they do it? They have to win two of their next 21 games, which seems feasible. <laughs> Although I think if there's any team, maybe other than Dallas, that has really taken steps to lose games as blatantly as possible, it's probably Chicago. Yeah, but even then, I mean, I, I still think they, they can squeak out three before the end of the season, uh, one way or another. Did you want to quickly, like, make fun of me for that that uh, Jared Allen dunk, or can we Oh, yeah, back? we actually had a, we had a request. Um, sure. One of my buddies who listens to the pod specifically asked that we just, we, did, I don't, we, don't, we don't have to do a whole segment, just kind of touch on, sure. um, maybe do a quick eulogy if you have some words to say for Laurie. It was that it was, was uh, it was hard to watch. Uh, I think I watched the replay. I, I watched it once. Then I didn't realize that it was on a loop to play again. And I was forced to watch it a second time before I could X out of the window. Uh, so yeah, I've, I've seen it a couple times. It was very, very sad, very scarring, very, you just uh, got to get out of the way. I mean, some credit is due, I guess, to him for standing in there. It's it's like it's like you would if you're like a middle school or high school coach, like you would teach your players to do this. But in actuality, once you once you start getting to games that are televised games where there are a legitimate amount of people in the crowd, like you, you probably want to advise mm-hmm. your players to run for cover on a play like that. You know, kind of what would what would Dwayne Wade do? What would Carmelo Anthony do? They they run they run down the court. Carmelo Anthony would do. Uh, <laughs> quick quick Carmelo aside, uh, Fred Katz uh, tweeted. He, he works for the Norman Transcript in Oklahoma. He tweeted a screenshot of a comment that Melo left on his own Instagram post. Um, some like random, totally random fan. You know, these type of weird comments that you're always yeah, wondering, yeah. like, who writes these? Like, someone wrote a whole paragraph about. How, you know, stay strong, Mello. I think it might be best for you to come off the bench and lead the second unit. Mello just replied with, with the 
the cry, the cry. Like, like, the thought of him coming no, off the second be- off the off the bench is still laughable. That's what I think is that's what kind of separates Carmelo, uh, even from like someone like Dwayne Wade, where like Dwayne Wade has come off the bench in the the recent he's come recent off the bench couple now. Of, yeah. recent couple of years. Uh, you know, I'm sure he's not super happy about it, but he he's doing it. I mean, Carmelo is not really any better than Dwayne Wade at this stage in his career. Like they're both, they're both going down and they're both at the same. Right. Uh, I think Melo <laughs> might be more consistent, but Wade, Wade's better nights are probably better than Carmelo's better nights. Like Melo's not even doing the stuff that you just assumed he'd be doing. Like I, I didn't think he was going to be great this year at all. Uh, I just thought he would knock down open threes at a really solid clip and he's not even Wrong. doing that. So uh, incorrect. The, if, if, it's kind of like, um, like okay, so like our, our rec basketball league last sure. night, there were we have this one player, Eric Newman, who also works for the site, and uh, he kept passing up on these open threes for like a stretch because I think he'd miss like two or like his first two or his first three, and he just kept passing on these open threes, and I just wanted to be like, dude. Numi, if you're not going to shoot that, like you really shouldn't be out there at all. Cause I like, that's your thing. Yes. Like you, you shoot threes. <laughs> I'm not saying you're bringing us no value anywhere else, but it needs you to shoot. Those. So like if Melo's not hitting th- open threes at a solid clip, then he is just a gigantic net negative because that was the, that's really the only thing that you should be expecting mm-hmm. from him at this point. Right. So you're basically comping him to Melo. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, okay. The Cleveland Cavaliers, 53 and a half. We both said over. Woof. Cavaliers have 36 <laughs> wins right now That's with 22 happening. games to play. They're not hitting that 22 over. games to play. They, they need to win. They need to go 18 and four. I guess it's like it's doable. Yeah. But doable. Uh, I think we can. I don't think they'll do it. Err on the side of <laughs> A that good team not can do it. <laughs> A team that second best player isn't Jordan Clarkson, Rodney Hood <laughs> could maybe do it. Uh, I'm a little, <clears throat> I'm a little worried about this version of the Cavs. I think getting Kevin Love back is going to be really big. I keep forgetting that he's hurt, but I'm gonna, I'm interested to see. They're on national TV tonight against the Sixers. Who are you hoping gets squeezed out of that rotation? Because they're currently playing like ten guys, aren't they? Uh, more or less, yeah. I mean, I as much as I love Jetty Osman, you know, he's. He's a little rough some nights. Like I, you know, I'm not a Tristan Thompson guy. Oh wait, really? it's inexcusable. <laughs> it's inexcusable to have that bad of hands if you're Tristan Thompson. Like he, I've always said when you watch him like receive a pass, yeah, it's it's like he's wearing, I don't even like he's wearing like winter gloves or something. And <laughs> this ball is a snowball, and he has to like, yeah. use both hands to kind of shove it into the rim. When you when you're on LeBron's team and like you're, that's one of catching dump off passes is really probably his number one job on offense other than maybe setting screens and getting offensive rebounds. Like you have to be able to catch that dump off pass because that's your meal ticket to points. Like you're not scoring if you don't catch those dump off passes. So yeah, you probably got to be a little bit better than that. Uh, I don't think they're hitting that, but you know, we didn't know that perhaps the worst player in the league was going to be joining them, uh, you know, 30 games into the year Mm. and completely submarining, the team's chances of hitting that over had we known the worst player in the league was going to be joining that team we both probably would have gotten under yes the the diminutive point guard whose name shall not be mentioned on this podcast (laughs) uh final note on the Cavs um 
a, a female friend of mine this past weekend, we were we were watching the Warriors um, Thunder game, and I forget who. Somebody, I think someone mentioned like how good looking Steph was, mm-hmm. and I was, you know, I was like, "Come on, you know, I don't, <laughs> come on, you know, come that's on. just ridiculous." <laughs> and I asked this girl, I'm "Like, who, who do you think is the most attractive player in the league?" And I, I don't really know who I expected. No, it was Paul George we were talking about, who's good okay. looking. And I was like, "Yeah, I could kind of see that." And right away, without hesitation, she's like, "Tristan Thompson." Oh my God, it's Tristan Thompson. No, no debate. So apparently, Tristan Thompson is is up there for some segment of the population. That's. Literally a hundred percent tied to him dating a Kardashian, correct? Like how Maybe. how else could anyone come to that conclusion? Well, this girl, this girl like knows the NBA enough that it's it's not like that's the only NBA player she knows. She she actually had worked for the Sixers for a few years, uh-huh. so she's familiar. Like she's she knows what NBA players look like. Uh-huh. You know that that my, I could see that being the case. You know, the average non sports fan probably doesn't know what that many players look like, and seeing Tristan on E Network helps i just I, that's that's a tough one to yeah tough one to understand yeah. i was pretty devastated to hear that <laughs> uh okay the dallas mavericks speaking, <clears throat> speaking of devastating 35 and a half was the line you locked in the over I locked it in. Yeah. Um, I, i'm not sure what that was about i went under lock it in <laughs> <laughs> they uh they have 19 wins they have 43 losses so they would need to go 17 and five the rest of the way 17 and three the rest of the way can they do it that would be (laughs) quite the off quite the late season turnaround. guessing that's not what uh (laughs) guessing that's not what they're going for here (laughs) i don't think they're trying to win almost the rest of their games yeah watch them end the the year on a 17 game winning streak i mean what what went wrong at what point did you start to feel like this one might not hit (sighs) well look I think things we can all agree things would have been much different if Seth Curry had played a full season, right? So I said to you the other day, the, the magic season turned as soon as it was it became known that he right. wasn't coming back. Yeah, I mean, we t- want to talk about some of the the big injuries that have really hurt teams this year. It's like Gordon Hayward, uh, Seth Curry, Demarcus Cousins, kind of the big three right there. Toladovich in Milwaukee. Yeah. 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 So that was it. <laughs> <laughs> I came down. I to just Seth Curry. I just thought that like, I it's so stupid. I I'm. I'm an idiot for that pick. I was mean, that a Carlisle rip, pick? Like, it was a Carlisle pick, obviously. Okay. Uh, I think I momentarily forgot how impossible it is for a rookie point guard with a high usage rate to be a net positive. And even though Dennis Smith's future looks very bright, he has not been a net positive this mm-hmm. year. Um that I mean, that's part of what makes what Donovan Mitchell's doing so impressive is that it's just it almost never happens yep. where a rookie point guard is contributing to wins. Mm-hmm. And I think I overlook. I mean, I <clears throat> I've never been a Nerlens Noel guy. I didn't think that he was going to be this big of a disaster, though. Like just a complete nothing right. on that team. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it was a Carlisle pick. I part of me. I'm not sure why I locked it in. I, I know why I picked the over. I have no idea why I thought it was a lock because even at the time, I was well aware of the fact that tanking could come into play. I just I sort of thought that. I mean, part of the reason why I took the over on the Hawks is I just thought Coach Bud wouldn't allow them to tank to the point of hitting that under. Mm-hmm. And I think I thought Carlisle wouldn't let him tank to the point right. of hitting that under, but was obviously wrong about that. In your defense, they won 33 games last year, so it didn't seem insane to think that they could win three more with Nerlens coming in. You know, and like that's not yeah. like that was the greatest roster of all mm-hmm. time last year. I mean, they didn't really lose anybody from that team. Uh, the Denver Nuggets, 
40 games or 40 wins two years ago. 45 and a half was the line for this season. This one could come down to the wire. They have 33 wins right now. They have 21 more games. So they need to go 13 and 8 to hit that over, which I think is very plausible. Well, and they're one of the few teams we've talked about that is desperately going to be trying to win every single game the rest of the way. Millsap back. Yes. Uh, But, I mean, you know, giving Millsap more minutes and Trey Lyles less minutes might end up just kind of canceling each other out. True. That is true. Dude, was it you that sent me that Paul Millsap? Yeah. <laughs> that, like, welcome back like, Paul Millsap like, hype video? It was like, <laughs> it, it was one of, you know, in like, uh, in like a movie trailer or like a YouTube video, there'll be like one word, like boom, and then another word, like boom, like to, for like emphasis. Yeah, yeah. Like it was like something like Paul Millsap he's back or something yeah. like that it's well just and then like, the highlight it's like a 30 second video of, of him, maybe of him like hitting like open threes yeah. and like converting layups and like, <laughs> he's like knocking down an open jumper he's, he's cutting off penetration yeah. like, it was it's like it was a nice effort but yeah. just, that's a tough tough assignment for the video guy yeah. i have to dig up right. Paul we need to make a players. make a 30 second paul mills head pipe video go <laughs> he spent like four weeks on this. uh okay the detroit pistons 38 and a half was the line. You went under. I went over. Detroit has 29 wins, 32 losses. Um, that means they have 21 games left. I guess this could, this could still go either way. doesn't seem like it'd be too much to ask for them to win <laughs> 10 games the rest of the way. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, the Pistons have not looked great. Like The Blake Griffin thing... Looks super productive for the first, Man, like, three games. and now I, I really can't believe that didn't work. I mean... Well, they did blow out the Bucks last night. So, <laughs> you tell me. Uh, yeah, that was... I mean, at the time, it was pretty clear that it was a, a big swing to try to save a guy's job, and it still looks that way, and it <laughs> does, doesn't, doesn't look like it's going to work out. It's like an even bigger swing. <laughs> so what does... Is Van Gundy out if they don't make the playoffs this year? Like he got, he, we, we believe I, he basically got this mandate from ownership that he needed to shake things up. He did that; it didn't work. Like, do, do they, is there any possibility that they keep him on as coach, but they they do the doc thing and strip him of GM privileges? I think that would be something definitely worth exploring. Like, you have to bring him into the into your office or room or whatever, wherever you're going to have this conversation, and basically kind of say, like how open are you to sticking on as coach? Like what are the financial, like we're obviously going to have to do some sort of rearranging of your contract because you're, you're definitely not going to be our general manager anymore. Clearly uh, you see why we have to do that. We are, we are considering this guy and this guy to bring in and we just want to know if you're going to be able to work under them, blah, blah, blah. Like I could see him just asking for just a straight up buyout. Um, I'm sure his lawyers or agent or whatever are going to be able to get him most of that money one way or another. So you, you clearly can't have him making basketball decisions anymore, but I mean, this kind of goes back to the, you know, Pelicans, Bobcats, like just, you can't give a general manager a directive like this or (laughs) Hornets. Um, I mean, they're, they're basically the Bobcats at this point, but, uh, like you can't tell a general manager do this or you lose your job. Because they're just gonna do 
they're going to follow that directive and they're going to do a bunch of stupid stuff to try to save their job. So yeah, examples of that working are few and far between. That's not a, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's not an appealing job. The no. taking over that, that mess that's been created. Uh, you're there are worse of, jobs, but there are not that many that are worse. Like worse jobs, like in the world or in the, in, in the NBA. Okay. In the NBA and um, in the world. I think, I mean, which ones are worse? I mean, you Atlanta's pretty bad. Memphis is pretty bad. Sacramento I'd like was pretty bad. See, I'd like the Atlanta job. You're getting. Are you openly caping to be the, the I, Hawks next? Look, year? I would consider it if the price is right. If they give me a fair <laughs> offer, uh, I mean, they're they're going to get a top three or four pick. The Pistons are not going to get a top three or four pick. The Hawks have basically no money on the books. The six, the Pistons have a lot of money on the books. Yes, they do. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's yeah. a much better job. I mean, you you basically you don't want to work for a bad owner, and you don't want to work, and you don't want to inherit a ton of bad money. Those are like the two things that make a job yeah. appealing no, that's or unappealing. True. That's true. You're right. And I don't know how bad or not bad their owner is compared to other owners, but I know that their cap situation going forward is about as bad as it can get. Mm-hmm. The Golden State Warriors, sixty-seven and a half. Was the over under? We both locked in the Lock over. It in. There is no no doubt in either of our minds <laughs> that they would not try at all Lock for this it entire in. season. <laughs> Warriors have forty eight wins, fourteen losses, so they need to go twenty and zero the rest of the way. Oh, so they're actually still mathematically capable. I didn't. I yeah, actually thought could, this was out of it a while they ago. They could go. They could finish sixty eight and fourteen. Yep. All right. Well, yeah, I feel good about this. All right. All right. Now I'm going to have to start watching uh, the next few Warriors games closely. Yeah, well, I mean, if you listen to the Ringer pod, Simmons has been expecting a 20-game winning streak <laughs> any time now. And if we're getting to the point heard, where they're, they're literally running out of time to yeah, rip off a 20-game winning streak. I heard that that could be a munchy, monkey wrench in uh, James Harden's <laughs> MVP case if, if the Warriors win out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Uh, that's all we have to say on them. Rockets, 55 and a half. They're easily going to shatter that. They're at 48 wins with 21 games left. I'm glad that we both went over here. This is the type of one where if you make the wrong call, you just feel disgusting about yourself for being mm-hmm. that wrong. And, and thankfully, we both went in. I was the only one that locked it in, though. Yeah. So Puzzling decision by me not to lock <laughs> that in. I don't know. I, I guess they only... It sounds weird to say they only won 55 games last year. It seemed like more. Yeah. I mean, it. it's... I just yeah, it's James Harden and Chris Paul are just so damn good, and like they're gonna their usage rate is just off the charts. It's it's hard not to to win mm-hmm. when those guys are that good. And like you know, not to look ahead too much to the postseason, but they, you know, PJ Tucker and Bob Mute both shooting as capably as they're shooting on open threes really makes them playable against the Warriors, mm-hmm. and those guys are just huge pieces to have in a series like that yeah and it it doesn't really feel fluky when you watch them because the threes that they take are so open like right. they <laughs> i mean they i feel like i heard the other day i read the other day that they they are they're obviously like number one in the league in isos that's no surprise mm-hmm. but they're la- they're last in passes or passes yeah and you know their per possession assist numbers aren't good but it's not like you know that would imply that they're just going one-on-one and launching you know bad shots but like they're going one on one. They're just not. They don't need to swing the ball around because if you know Chris Paul or James Harden get by their guy, oftentimes it's just one pass mm-hmm. to Ariza who's wide open in the corner, or one pass to Tucker who's wide open on the wing. Yeah, and they. I suppose I could look this up, but I'm I'm guessing that they get 
about as many points at the free throw line as any other team. Um, they just there's a lot of plays where it's just the fir- basically the last person to touch the ball when they cross half court is the person that shoots the ball because it's yes. a either transition fast break like whatever mm-hmm. it is it's a pull up three um, and it's it's pretty deadly. They're number one in three point makes three point attempts. They are only twenty third in field goal attempts. And this is just you know basic per game, not adjusted for anything. They're last in two point attempts, second in free throw makes and free throw attempts. Well, that yeah, the free throws being that high is going to affect some of those other categories. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to f- affect your field goal attempts. They also have the best offense ever, which helps. Yes, typically. The Indiana Pacers, 42 wins last season. The line was 31 and a half. They already have 34 wins. 31 and a half. Well, I went under, but in my defense, I said this was a stay away. That's true. I was wondering what these <laughs> what these orange markers meant. Orange, is, orange means stay away. 31 and a half. I, I went over. I don't remember why I went over. I was not They're, super they, high in Oladipo. Are they the most surprising team in the league? The fact that they're Based comfortably going to the postseason on the is teams just that we've, bizarre. Of the teams that we've gone through, they're the only one where we've that's beaten it already, right? right? Yeah. By multiple games. Yeah. They've, they've beaten it by two and a half games already. Yeah, I'm, I guess I'm by really, that logic, sure. I'm really surprised. Like, you could have told me that Oladipo was going to have a really good statistical season, and I still think I would have... Yeah. been scared off by that over under i just didn't yeah. think nate mcmillan was a good like coach miles and, turner has yeah. not really no. taken the next step whatsoever tj leaf hasn't uh <laughs> tj leaf has <laughs> barely played <laughs> yeah well i mean it's the combination of like sabonis being a whole different player right. oladipo being a completely different player they, they lance have, being pretty good i think they have more competent players than i anticipated them having oh absolutely yeah. i mean they're you know, Corey Joseph, Joseph Young have both been giving them decent minutes. Bad Young. Thaddeus Young. Yeah, they need more Youngs. <laughs> so the Pacers, as of now, are our most surprising team. All right, All right, we're about halfway. Clippers, 43 and a half. You locked in the over. I also in. went over. I did not lock it in, surprisingly. This they one's going to come down to it. Yeah, they have 32 wins. And they have 20 games left. So they need to win 12 of those games. Yeah, they got to go, go 12, 12 and 8. And eight. That could happen. Totally doable. Yeah, that one, I mean, we can't really speak on it. I guess, I mean, this is one that clearly I think we both would have said under. If you said, hey, 30 games into the year, they're going to trade They're going trade Blake Griffin. Well, just how about, forget about that. Like, I think 10 days into the year, you're just feeling great about that over. Then, like, 30 days into the year, you could almost lock in the under at that yeah. point. Like, they'd lost, like, 10 in a row or something at a certain point, I think, like in the first couple months of the year, and you could just lock it in. And then everybody's they, hurt. Blake yeah. was hurt. Gallinari's yeah. barely played. You know, Tia Dosich has been in and out. Are, are either of us a Doc Rivers crony? <laughs> <laughs> I, look, I, I don't think Doc Rivers is going to win coach of the year. He's going to get some consideration because. Of he'll be a down. Of, he'll get some down ballot votes. They've have, they have two guys who are basically out of. <laughs> like NBA minutes that are on two way deals. They played so much for the Clippers that they've they're like yeah. not allowed to play anymore. Tyrone Wallace and CJ Williams. Yep. Uh, okay. The Lakers 33 and a half. Uh, we both went under, you said this one was a stay away. Look, the LA has 26 wins. They could, they could go over and yeah, they, they have, have no motivation have, to keep their pick. Uh, I mean, exactly. they have no motivation to improve their lottery. They have 22 anymore, so. games left and they need to win eight of those games. 
I think I would say that'll probably happen. Yeah. Um, look at their schedule, the Lakers' schedule. Okay. They do, among the bad teams they play down the stretch, they play Orlando. They play, this is, this is not a great schedule um, for the Lakers to hit this over. They play at Memphis. They play Dallas, Sacramento, and that's it. The rest of their games are against playoff, either playoff teams or teams that are going to be in the playoff mix the rest of the way. So I don't know. Maybe I don't feel quite as good about that. We can revisit. We can. We can. We sure can. All right. How about Memphis? 37 and a half. Uh, we both went over. I mean, this one, mm. they're not going to get they're not going to get to uh, 38 wins. They would need to almost win out. They'd have to go 20 and two the rest of the way. Yeah, that's not happening. I'm actually kind of surprised I picked that over, but. Well, I don't. I mean, this one is maybe by far the most like. If I'd known they were going to fire Fizz. If I had known they were going to fire their coach, their point guard would only play 20 games, and their center would like <laughs> basically stop trying after like 30 games. <laughs> would, would regress. If, so. if I knew Andrew Harrison was going to start the majority of the year. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, this team, this is second year in a row, really, this has happened, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, but Conley being out as long as he has is obviously what sunk them. Before we continue, uh, draftdaily.com, we need to tell you about that. It's crypto, it's currency, it's sports. DraftDaily.com is the new standard in the fantasy sports industry with almost non-existent fees, 100% trackable transactions, and 0% risk of chargebacks. We are taking the industry by storm and making the game we all love both safer and cheaper to play. DraftDaily brings fantasy sports and blockchain technology together to create the ultimate user experience and platform. On DraftDaily.com, users play without worry and without fees, digging into their profits. What better way to do that than to merge crypto with fantasy sports? Secure your place in history. Play on DraftDaily.com today, where players and the game they love are the focus. DraftDaily.com. The Miami Heat, 41 wins last season. They closed the year. Um, I don't remember. What was it? They basically like reversed their record in the first 41 and the last 41. Closed the year on a really strong note. Barely missed the playoffs. Their over-under was set at 43 and a half. Miami now sits at 32 and 29 with 21 games remaining. I think I think they can get to 44. It's not too much to ask. Go 12 and 9. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know what this team's doing. I don't know what they're trying to accomplish by the whole Dwayne Wade thing. Wade County. Uh, <laughs> that it is. Uh I think I'll take the under, and or I, I think I'll still go under on them getting to 43 and a half. Uh, but, yeah, like you said, it's one of the ones that probably comes down to the final couple of weeks. Yeah, they, uh, they do play Phoenix. They play the Lakers tonight. Then they play at Sacramento. They got the Knicks. They get Chicago, Brooklyn, Atlanta, Atlanta, the Knicks. That's five of their last seven games are against those teams. So I would feel pretty good about this one. Milwaukee, 47 and a half wins. You took the over. I locked in the under on the Milwaukee mm. Bucks. So they need to get to 48 wins. Right now they have 33 mm. with 21 games left. Um, I mean, okay. I guess they could do it. 15 and 6. That's a lot to ask for this Bucks team. That is a lot to ask. That just lost by like 30 to Detroit last night. Yes. I... 
I don't know. I, I feel the same way. I think I, I, I just didn't know. I guess I just didn't think Jason Kidd would be as bad as he was. Uh, and I don't think, I mean, they have kind of sneakily gotten hurt by injuries just because their depth is so bad that when they're without guys like Brogdon and with, without even a guy like Delva Dover to like the next guy up is so bad that it's, it just really hurts. A lot and of Sterling Brown, a lot of Kilpatrick. I mean, they traded for Eric Bledsoe. So that theoretically should have helped them hit that over because mm-hmm. that wasn't factored into anything. But right. uh, yeah, I mean, they lost a lot of close games early on. I think uh, a lot of it could be blamed on coaching and they just weren't ready. I mean, I thought they were ready to kind of take a, a leap into the mid forties, mm-hmm. but uh, not yet. Yeah, I, you know, I talked about that quite a bit. You know, I think most people were in that same camp where this, you know, everyone was pretty encouraged, even though that they lost that first round series to Toronto. I, I think the Bucks still went into the offseason on a pretty high note, but they had the fewest roster turnover of any team in the NBA. And I didn't necessarily see that as a good thing. I, I didn't like love the rest of the roster outside of the top three or four guys. And obviously they made the Bledsoe deal um and you know Monroe was kind of the main piece involved with that and he you know he hasn't really been a factor anywhere else but I I mean I don't I don't want to pin this on Bledsoe by any means I don't think that's fair Giannis has certainly lived up to to his end of the bargain everyone has played pretty well I mean I I guess you could say like Thon Maker hasn't progressed the same way that people thought he would but if you were if you if you were adding plus or minus five wins based on Thon Maker's development I think that was probably a little bit you know, off base anyway. I think it was more, I don't think this team's won as many games as a team with getting this season from Giannis, uh, and their role players should have won. And I like, again, to me, it kind of comes back a little bit on, on coaching. Yeah, no, I think somebody, somebody from Bucks Twitter, uh, tweeted last night, like, when's the last time you could think the Bucks have lost a normal game? (laughs) and you know obviously that's kind of subjective but it's like every time they lose it's either they they come out like they were down 14 to nothing the other night to start that game against washington you know they they just get either completely annihilated or something wacky happens on one end or the other like they they don't they're definitely not a team that you feel great about like up up seven with eight minutes to go against a good team you're not like all right the bucks are going to put this one away like we haven't reached that point i never get that feeling when i watch them i forget the exact stat but uh Duncan and LaRue had it on the, like a dunked on pod a week or two ago where they were comparing their defensive rating with kid versus their defensive rating since kid got fired. And it's like, they went from bottom like seven or eight in the league to top five in the league yeah, just by making that change. And like some of that is, is because of good luck and like a small sample size with opponents missing Mm -hmm. three pointers. But Jason Kidd's defensive style, I honestly think you could you could argue that it, it might have cost them four or five games while he was still the coach because it was just such a absolutely hilariously outdated and just they, like counterfactual style of, of defense. Yeah, they I will say they lost a lot of games in the first half of the season to teams that they shouldn't lose to, and you can pretty much draw the line when they made the coaching change. They've taken care of the teams that they should take care of. You know, they've, mm-hmm. they've taken the Brooklyn's, the Phoenixes. They, they lost two games to Chicago. They lost a couple times to Charlotte around Christmas. Um, and it was like, it was just one of those games where they would, they would string together two or three wins. You start to feel pretty good. 
And then they, you know, like I said, they get blown out by the Bulls. And it's like, you know, good teams don't have those dramatic ups and downs. And I think at least they've they've curbed that. And it might be due in part to the fact that those bad teams are now like really trying to lose and have no interest in, you know, really putting up much of a fight. I don't know. Uh, but overall, this does, no matter what happens in the postseason, you know, if, if the Bucks make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, I guess all bets are off. But this does feel, at this point in time, like a, a relatively disappointing Bucks season. You know, I, I guess if you're if you're basing that on what most expectations were, the Minnesota Timberwolves, 31 wins last year, 48 and a half over under. We both went under on this one, and as of right now, the Minnesota Timberwolves have 38 wins with only 18 games to play. Yeah, they have to go 11 and seven to hit that, which is another one that's going to probably come down to the final. Yeah, week. without Butler, we don't really know. I mean, if Butler was healthy, you'd feel really good about that. Yeah, I, I, this was one. I, I, fi- I, fi- I felt like I was going to be wrong about this almost no matter where I bet it just because of how uh, wrong I was <laughs> the previous year. Like, I thought that they were going to kind of emerge as a top you know, four or five team, at least in the West last season. That obviously wasn't even close. And so you knew that they were going to kind of rebound and bounce sort of back in that direction, especially with getting Jimmy Butler. And honestly, Andrew Wiggins and Carlton Towns have been about as I would have expected coming into the year. It's just that I think Jimmy Butler's impact was even greater than I thought it was going to be before he got mm-hmm. hurt. Well, th- I mean, this team struggled out of the gates when it was it was very clearly still deciding what the hierarchy was. Mm-hmm. And then there was kind of a clear point where Jimmy Butler made it obvious to Wiggins and to Towns that this was his team. Mm-hmm. And pretty much from then on, that's been their identity. And they needed that, I think. They, oh, of like course they, they they both, no matter what they thought, weren't ready. I mean, like Carlton Towns will someday be the best player on a good team, yeah. but like he just wasn't really ready, especially mm-hmm. on both ends of the court. And uh I mean Tyus Jones. Um <laughs> I will say I <laughs> Speaking of Tyus Jones, I at least the remember when they, like two weeks ago it was like a lock that Derrick Rose was going to that team and then that just completely died out. Like as I, soon as he was bought out by Utah, it was like all right, oh, Tibbs is going to go grab him, and then we just never heard from them again. Did Derrick Rose's like brother just like float that <laughs> yeah, he was right. going like well. We're probably going to go sign Reggie Rose now. Like hacking Woj's account. <laughs> no, I, there were reports yesterday that Rose might go to the Clippers now. Okay. If not the Clippers, that's probably his last shot, at least for this year. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what team is dying to get their hands on him this summer. He's going to get a training camp invite uh, just because he's Derrick Rose. But, that, I mean, he's not going to have an impact the rest of the way. The New Orleans Pelicans, 39 and a half. They won 34 last year. Uh, they have 35 wins already. They're going to smash that over... How surprising would you say that is, all things considered? Uh, not, I, I mean, I went under, but it, it's, it's surprising in that sense, but it's really not no. that surprising, especially, I don't think the West was as good as I thought it was going to be in the middle. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, Kawhi Leonard being out, Mike Connolly being out. Uh, the Thunder just being worse than expected, the Nuggets being worse than expected. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the I didn't really see this Anthony Davis year coming. Um, or at least I didn't I didn't see this post-Marcus Cousins version yes. of Anthony Davis coming. 
I see, I, I don't want to say the Pelicans are surprising to me in the same way that the Pacers are because it's not like the potential wasn't there for the Pelicans. Mm-hmm. It was more just, okay, we know what Davis is going to do. We know what Cousins is going to do. But for whatever reason, it's not going to result in wins. And it, I mean, they were going to probably top this over under either way. Um, but it, like the fact that they haven't missed a beat without Cousins, mm-hmm. I never know what to think of this. Like that was a, you know, a big topic watching the Wizards last night. You know, it's like, are they, are they better without John Wall? Like, no, they're not better without John Wall. Just like the Pelicans aren't better without DeMarcus Cousins. But there is something to be said about at least everyone seeming to know their role when there's one guy that you can run everything through. I don't... I think that they're... Like, the the Wizards' ceiling is lower without Wall. The Pelicans' ceiling is lower without Cousins. But I don't think that means they can't be a better team like sort of over a 30 game stretch without a player who kind of like there are just certain players that kind of uh put a cap on what other guys on their team can do when they're out there like because you're just yeah like when demarcus cousins is out there that just limits what everyone else on the team can do and when that player's out of the equation then everyone kind of steps up mm-hmm. and like kind of their whole mentality probably raises up a little bit. And, and I think John Wall's the same way where like the best possible version of the wizards involves John wall, but that also involves, or that also involves everyone else around John wall playing yes, the, totally the best, agree. you know, I mean, it's, it's tough to explain, but yeah, I mean that that's part of why you see this type of stuff happen. No, I think I, I kind of made this a similar argument on Tuesday is like when, if you were in like a playoff series and DeMarcus cousins is at his peak or John wall is at his peak, Obviously, that team's going to be better than if those guys aren't there. But like you said, it does force guys, especially your third, fourth, fifth guy in any given lineup, to play differently. And like with Cousins, yeah, you're t- you're taking away 25 points and 13 rebounds, but you're also taking away like 20 shots, like six or seven right. turnovers. You and, know, like some possessions where he's just not doing anything on D. Like there is some give and take with a guy like him, especially. And it's two different situations because with no Cousins, it's basically just meant. Anthony Davis can become the Anthony Davis that we've been waiting right. for him to become. And with no John Wall, like to me, Kelly Oubre is like one of the most overqualified fourth or fifth options in the league with John Wall. Now he's kind of back yeah. to where he should be. Otto Porter, kind of the same thing, but just a little bit better than that. Uh, so it just, it lets these guys that were playing fourth, third, fourth, fifth man roles move up into a role that actually they're more than capable of handling. Mm-hmm. The New York Knicks, 30 and a half is the over-under. We both went under. They have 24 wins and 38 losses, so 20 games left. Can the Knicks avoid winning seven games? I think they can. I think so. I think think they'll hit that under. I think we're going to be right about that one. Yeah. Anything else to say there? No, we should probably get... I don't don't really have much to say on the Knicks. Yeah, we should probably speed it up. Thunder, 51 and a half. They have 36 wins, 27 losses. So they only, they only have 18 games left? So they're not hitting that. No. And They've probably been the most disappointing team in the league. At least I, I told people to stay away. So. You did. You did. <laughs> Do you remember why? Just because it's, it's Russ and it's I just that, that situation's always going to be ridiculously mm-hmm. volatile, in my opinion. Okay, fair enough. The Orlando Magic, 33 and a half. We both locked in the under. We banged the under. This. Love this. We banged and the under. Even when they started the year 
Yes. They came out, what, guns blazing. They, they were, were one of the best shooting teams in the league. They were 6-2 and two at one point. They were 8-4 <laughs> at, and four at, I'll at tell the you exactly which point yeah. <laughs> after eight games. Yeah, guess when that was, <laughs> which makes it which is even crazier, which means they've gone like 12-41 and 41 since then. Yeah. The Orlando Magic is the worst team in the NBA. This is kind of like us, God, I love this us nailing that Rockets one. It, like, if we'd been on the wrong side of this, I would have felt terrible about it, but... We, I love that we both locked this. We, lo- we locked it. That was in. the first thing I texted you this morning. I was like, "Man, I, I checked that document. And man, am I proud!" This was the this was the easiest decision ever. We saw like, this one coming. Real money. I should have put five grand on. Seventy yeah. sixers. Um, this was the of all the lines. You know, not that many people really care about these, but this was the rare line that made like actual NBA news. You know, regular outlets were writing about this. 76ers 42 and a half seemed insane we both locked in the under they're at 32 right now with mm. what 23 games left that, that could go either way I think to me this get it. this was just always a Joel Embiid games played bet yeah true and I think you said that back in September yeah if if you told me Joel Embiid wasn't gonna miss any significant time with injuries at this point in the season I would have been like yeah they're gonna well, what if someone told you also they're gonna get five games out of Mark Fultz and it's not going to be necessarily because of injury. Like that would well, be a little odd. Well, but you know, back to the Dennis Smith Mavs point, like even kind of the median expectation of what Marco Fultz would have given them probably wouldn't mm-hmm. have contributed much to winning and losing. True. Like Ben Simmons, I expected to contribute to winning and losing because he was just so much more advanced than your typical rookie. Uh, and they, they just really even, I still think that this is kind of a flawed roster. Well, getting Bellinelli helped, but uh, I mean, to me, every their entire success is just a testament to how valuable of a player Joel Embiid is when he's out there. Uh, okay, quick, one quick thing I want to bring up with Philly. This was raised on some podcast recently. What if the what if LeBron? You know, obviously, we know about whether it's real or fictional. The the hype around LeBron potentially going to Philly. LeBron. The, apparently being caught looking at private schools in the Philly area. He's, he's looked at private schools in every city at this point. What if LeBron said, I will come to Philly, but you have to trade Markel Fultz and Ben Simmons to new Orleans for Anthony Davis. I think Anthony Davis, or I think new Orleans, as long as they're still being run by Dell Demps would say no. They would say no to Davis, Fultz, whatever salary filler, and like one or two future picks. You're not getting a better player back than Simmons. Uh, I don't know. That's tempting. I like, okay, I would do it if I'm Dell Demps or whoever. If I'm the GM and I get the sense that I get to see this rebuild through, then I do that for sure. But I've been sort of, New Orleans ownership is so terrible that I, I get the assumption that the GM of that job is judged yearly by wins and losses. Yeah. No, so, there's no, there's not a lot of like foresight with them. Like I'm not, I'm not doing that if I'm getting judged based on how many games I win next year. So that it, to me, it just kind of comes down to does the person making the basketball decisions okay. have, jo- have the job security to see a trade like that through? If so, then you do it. Would if the not, Sixers do it is the other question. Uh, and the other th- the other thing about this, obviously, yeah, totally hypothetical. Do I don't think LeBron LeBron in his mind probably thinks he's a great fit next to Simmons and like their buddies <laughs> through clutch sports. Like I don't think he would want Simmons out necessarily. Yeah. Um, but if it means Davis and Embiid are your yeah, other I'm pretty, two guys, I'm pretty sure LeBron. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
LeBron's not the best at making basketball personnel no. decisions. No, no, no. I think if you're the Sixers, you do that in a heartbeat. LeBron, Davis, Embiid, are you kidding me? Like, but you're, <laughs> you're also under the assumption that LeBron is doing this on a one-year deal. He's not signing a four-year deal, you know? Is it worth Still, it? Still, that's if fine. It you, work? Even, if, even, if, if, even if it's just Anthony Davis, Joel Embiid as your core, I'd still take that over Ben Simmons, Marco yeah. Fultz. Okay. All right. Yeah, I just wanted to run that by you. you I mean, you you're, you you're the LeBron guy. I mean, no, what no, did you, you didn't do? take that as badly as I, I thought you would just completely laugh that off. About what? Just the fact that I would even ask you that. <laughs> that the trade proposal? Yeah. Oh, I, th- I know it sounds crazy to even talk about, but I always go back to like how insane it sounded that Durant would ever join the Warriors I'm, this, around this time. I remember thinking... I do think that any kind of uh, LeBron to the Sixers, for that to be, for that to work as, as well as it possibly can, it involves them turning Simmons into something else that fits yeah. better. Yeah, I don't, I don't know where I stand on that. You know, it, in, in one regard, this Philly team is already really cool. And what if has, you like? What if Philly picks number one again this year? What if you could do? And I guess the money on this might not even work. But what if you could do like Ben Simmons for uh, Damian Lillard and Alfaruga Mina or something like that? Like with I that, think Ben Simmons in terms of an asset, like there are that's the type of guy you could use to get almost any like tier two superstar like mm-hmm. Lillard. Yeah, because cool. I think that that's if you can get LeBron. I think you immediately have to yeah. trade Simmons. I, the most fun scenario is that Philly gets the number one pick and then has that in its arsenal to also deal in a possible yeah. LeBron acquisition. Yeah. Right. That would but be so. Much we got to wrap this up really before get you start guys. getting. Uh, before you start, before you start looking yeah, at crack the door real open? estate in Philly. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll go through these last ones quick. Suns twenty eight and a half. You went over. I went under. They're probably not hitting that. They got nineteen games left. They have nineteen wins. No idea what I was doing there. I don't know either. Blazers. 42 and a half we both went over they have 35 wins with 25 or 21 games they'll hit that that'll go over kings what what 28 and a half you went over all right can we move on to the next one okay to be fair i said stay away (laughs) (laughs) i know they had scal but still my god Uh, all right this good good grief (laughs) yeah uh spurs <laughs> we both locked in the over 54 and a half they're not going to get yeah. there but uh, i don't feel bad the about fact this that one. they're as close as they are to getting there without their yeah. best player for pretty much the whole season is no is exactly impressive. yeah this is they would have shattered it if, if they right. have Kawhi for most of the, and this was before the whole Kawhi injury yes, thing yes. like with a healthy Kawhi, they blow through that right i mean this this line drops seven to eight probably without if you were yeah if you were to say Kawhi plays 10 games at 50 percent raptors 48 and a half. You went under. I went over. They have 43 wins. Dumb. They'll, they'll hit that one. Jazz, 40 and a half. You locked in the over. I went under. This one, this one will put, come down. Yeah, this, it, this could go 21 either 21 games left. They have 31 wins. I, I would I think, say. I feel pretty probably, good about that. Yeah, I, think I feel pretty good go about over. that. Uh, but I said that was a stay away. So <laughs> hedged it a little bit there. And the Washington Bullets. 47 and a half we both went over yikes Ooh, they have 36 wins i don't know they can i don't see it they can go 12 and 8 the rest of the way <laughs> i don't 12 no, and 8 no no i don't think so no no chance that the, <laughs> that the wizards go slightly no, over 500 locking that under <laughs> okay their schedule isn't super easy they play the knicks the bulls the hawks and the magic those are the only tanking teams they face the rest of the way 
I know you had looked that up previously, and that's why you said that you don't think they'll they'll cover that. I, I yeah, there, no chance. Right, well, we'll check in on this um, at the end of the season. You know, there's only there's really only six or seven that were really up in the air. Um, but we'll wrap this up here next week. We'll do a full Luka Doncic um, check in. We really haven't talked about him much in a while. Um, and then I, I think we'll it's probably time that now that the college basketball season regular season will be over by next week we can really start getting into our lottery projections in terms of the 2018 draft yes Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.